The Start On Demand. On demand. A report on how to improve safety in downtown Winnipeg has been released with 27 recommendations on a whole bunch of topics including security, health, justice and urban planning. So we'll learn more about that. A couple married for 68 years dies 33 hours apart. We'll learn about the broken heart syndrome. I don't know about you, but I need a blanket of snow to get into the Christmas spirit. I know we don't need the snow, but for Christmas I just feel... Like, without the snow, it doesn't quite feel like Christmas. And finally, Monday Night Raw is coming back to Winnipeg. Trying to channel the rock there. The WWE made a huge announcement. They are bringing back their live televised event to Winnipeg for the first time in 15 years. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and a vacationing Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, December 4th podcast for The Start. Last night, we knew that the Bombers were going to do the ceremonial puck drop. It was to be Mike O'Shea, Nick Dembski, and Andrew Harris with the Grey Cup dropping the puck. But then, I guess, mid-afternoon yesterday, the Jets announced, ah, the coach can't make it, but we got this guy instead. Yeah, Chris Trevler. Yeah. Not bad, right? Not a bad fill-in at all. Uh, he was a sans fur coat. Yeah, unfortunately, but uh, he was a Vec shirt. He had a, he had a Jets jersey <laughs> a on. Vec shirt, a little bit of French. <laughs> well, very little bit yeah. of French, <laughs> and uh, it was a great way to kick things off. The Jets actually scored 13 seconds into the game. Nice. It was called back uh, due to an offside, but the Jets went Ooh. on to a 5-1 win over Dallas. They played Dallas again Thursday night. It really felt like things clicked in for the Jets last night. Connor Hellebuck has been the best goaltender in the National Hockey League for the better part of this season so far, and he's going to carry them a long way. You can't go anywhere without good goaltending, but last night, the young guys really poured it on last night. The stars that you expect to be stars, Shifley, Connor, Ehlers, Line, just looked terrific last night. So we'll have a chat with Kelly Moore later on this morning. Was it a figment of my imagination or could that have been the best Jets game of the season so far? Kelly's going to join us at 8.45. And just as a side note, Greg, and I should have worn it, Today, I stopped in at the Peg Authentic on Cordon, just uh, east of Cordon and Lilac, and I bought a hat. I just bought a hat from them last week. It was all gray with uh, sort of almost almost a white font, uh, but then I bought another hat yesterday because I have a, apparently I have an addiction to buying baseball caps, particularly that are uh, from local shops, and it's the colors of the Winnipeg Jets. It's, oh, nice. The, the, the uh, deep blue with the scarlet red and the, the sort of the peak underneath is red, so... Uh, it didn't mm. actually click in that it was Jets. I just liked the blue and red. But then she said, yeah, that's like the Winnipeg Jets colors. Uh, so I thought, oh, well, that's that's a nice little coincidence. Because I don't actually, other than the the, Vi- the, the Viking-style T-shirt you got me when you went to Finland, I don't have any Jets gear. Oh, well, you better step that up. Step uh, up and your the, and Jets the, gear game. I guess the whiteout shirts that the Jets drop off during the playoffs. <laughs> I have two those of those. T- I have two of those T-shirts. They're but, in your possession. They're in your collection. They count. The only hockey jersey I own is a San Francisco Spiders jersey. That's just the most bizarre thing. I remember you, you confessing that about three years ago, and they are a great jersey. How did you ever come into possession of such a thing? I used to work at. Jersey City in Polo Park. There, no, it, it it does exist again. It's down by the on the south side, main floor. Just as you walk in, you walk past Sport Check, and there's Jersey City. But it used to be back in the late 1990s. It used to be on the second floor, where GNC now right, is. Right. And I don't know if you remember, but they had a huge Blue Bombers helmet over top of their counter. I absolutely do remember that. So they had jerseys for at the time. It was I think the IHL. IHL, yes, that's right. The Manitoba Moose had recently joined it, and mm-hmm. they they all lamented that they no longer had the San Francisco Spiders jersey because this was a team. It it competed for one season in 1995-1996, and uh, they said it was the nicest jersey. They they all loved it. So I managed to track one down. Do you remember Abdi Cards? Uh, of course I do. At the, they have a lot of my money. Yeah, that was at the back of uh, Book Fair once upon a time. Yeah, they're back there. 
Are they still there? They're back there. They went. They moved to Calgary uh, years ago. They moved up, moved the whole thing out to Calgary, and then now they're back in Winnipeg. Oh again. my god, I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. Well, I got it there. I got, and it wasn't just a replica. It was it was the actual, authentic, game day jersey, complete with the fight straps. So uh, it's massive on me. It was all. It was already. It was like a double XL when I got it. And now if I wear it, it'll just look like I'm wearing a a garbage bag with an awesome logo on it. <laughs> but that's the one hockey jersey that I own. I well, should probably get a Jets jersey. Well, you should probably get a Jets jersey. Bomber jerseys flying off the shelf, of course. Wade Miller telling us the Blue Bombers on track to to break a record for Grey Cup uh, sales. I was doing a little bit of math and a little bit of investigation, trying to figure out where that Grey Cup merchandise sweet spot was for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Paul Friesen, our former colleague here at 680 CJOB, writes for the Winnipeg Sun now. He figures that number was around $2 million was their total sales for Saskatchewan when, when they won the Grey Cup in 2013. And uh, Wade Miller alluding to the fact that he believes that the Bombers are going to break that record, that sales record for Grey Cup merchandise. The number I'd come up with was around $3 million. So somewhere between 2 and $3 million is probably a pretty safe bet as to where the Rough Riders were in 2013. And, well, because they are a community-owned uh, property, we'll, we'll learn uh, early next year how big a bump financially this Grey Cup has given the Blue Bombers. Yeah, and the, the merchandise really is flying off the shelves. You can't go anywhere without seeing people wearing bomber stuff. Up next, we have Manitoba Turkey Producers gift card to give away. And we want to revisit some text messages you sent us yesterday regarding turkey leftovers. Some of the suggestions blew our minds. It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb back in a couple of weeks. Ooh, Brett in Selkirk texting 204-780-6868. He says, best jersey ever. What is this? A Scottish team called the Brayhead Clan where purple... Kilt-themed jerseys. And their pants are plaid, like kilts. Their socks match the pants about two-thirds of the way down. And you know when you wear a kilt? Yeah. You wear those super long socks? Yeah. They mimic that as well on the hockey socks. Nice. That is wild. They did that for St. Andrew's Day. That's pretty good. I'll give you that. But I, th- well, and the fact that it's purple. Purple's my favorite color. I do like it's, my spider's jersey. It's alluring to you, is it not? It, it is, yeah. I might have to buy this. To important things, more or not necessarily more important things, but a different sort of importance. Downtown safety. Yeah, a report on how to improve safety in downtown Winnipeg is, was released with 27 recommendations on a variety of topics, including security, health, justice, and urban planning. The city of Winnipeg, cops, businesses, and organizations were all consulted by the Manitoba Police Commission as part of the wide-ranging study. David Asper is the chair of the police board and the Manitoba Police Commission. He spoke to Richard Cluche and Julie Buckingham yesterday afternoon on the news right here on 680 CJOB. We found out that there's been a lot of work done by a lot of people, a lot of good work done by a lot of people over a long period of time. Um, but I think, uh, I would say a level of frustration, um, that there's been sort of a lack of coordination overall that is impeding, uh, success. They also think they need to introduce more expansive cameras downtown. What we found is that there, there seemed to be, um, a a gap or a barrier between myth and reality as to what the privacy laws are in Canada and in Manitoba particularly and what the uh, privacy commissioner guidelines are relating to the use of cameras. And some some folks thought they were one thing, something, some folks thought they were another thing um, and more restrictive. And so what we said was, well, we sort of need to sort this out. And as a first step, find out what what is permissible in Canada. In Minneapolis, they use a block-by-block composition for foot patrols, and they do use a private company in many U.S. cities to act as ambassadors. I saw that in Los Angeles this weekend, Brett. Private security at just about every business, including the Pantry Diner. This place has been open since 1923 or 24. It's open 24 hours a day, but they have a security guard out front to just make sure that the people going in there are going in there for the right reasons. You see it everywhere. It's it's 
unmistakable that they are security guards. And then they have lots of uh, other undercover or plainclothes security. Oh, wow. You feel very, very safe. And there are foot patrols in Winnipeg, too. But the report is recommending expanded foot patrols. I think that human presence and interaction is a big deal, whether it's through downtown Winnipeg biz or... Other means. I think one of the things people are going to have to come to terms with overall is that for the longest period of time now, we've had this public policing model, which delegates essentially all of public safety and policing to the police service and absolves the individuals and the private sector of any responsibility there. And it's not sustainable. And so... Uh, through the downtown biz, and they're already doing downtown patrols and other other biz bear clan and bear clan for sure. Uh, you know, is another great example. We're just going to have to find other ways to accomplish that objective. And and foot patrols is crucial to not just be eyes and ears, but crucial to the perception of safety. Now, here's what surprised the commission, according to David Asper, as they put together the report. We found that there are many, many organizations and a ton of money going into a variety of programs uh, in the downtown to address various issues. And um, what surprised us was when it would become apparent there was a gap in provision of service in a particular area. And we kind of wondered, well, how can that be? And it led us to, as There's I said... There's no overnight said, coverage in the city of Winnipeg when it comes to dealing with people that might be out and vulnerable. Correct. And and so, but this comes back to, okay, well, who's in charge? Um, I mean, who, how do we marshal resources and make sure that, that we don't have that gap? And that doesn't exist. And so it left us, I think, and my colleagues on the commission... Um, kind of scratching our heads. So it sounds to me like, to use the buzzword that's popular right now, great work, but being done in silos. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And these are all really great things. But if you don't know what I'm doing and I don't know what you're doing, there could be overlap or there could be gaps. There could be gaps. And so what we've recommended is to go back to square one. And I, and I, I mean, I'm going to, Maybe if my former public administration prof from the U of M, Paul Thomas, is listening, I'll, I'll use a phrase that he taught me way back when in the 70s, which is something called disjointed incrementalism, which is a concept of public policy where you've got a left hand and a right hand, each trying to accomplish something without necessarily talking to each other. And so you do actually move a ball forward with your incremental policies, but they're disjointed. And sometimes that works in, in various scenarios, and, and sometimes that's not a bad public policy approach because it's, it's kind of safe. But here we found, um, you know, that uh, the gaps are pretty stark. And one of the other conversations that come out of this report, Brett, is how to handle panhandling, aggressive panhandling. What limitations are there in terms of asking people to move on, to outlaw it altogether? Sam Cates ran into this years ago when he tabled some legislation here in the city. There was a constitutional challenge on that. You know, I understand panhandling is a fact of life in major cities, but I still insist it makes a lot of people uncomfortable depending on how aggressive it is. Ron is here, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Fortier, and just kind of hit me yesterday that I hadn't really started my Christmas shopping. And I think part of the, I've bought a couple of things, but there's no urgency. Usually by now I'm way ahead of the game, but yeah, you no start urgency. usually in October. Yeah, I'm a little, fell a little behind this year, but I think part of the reason is because there's essentially no snow on the ground, and I was wondering, do you need snow to get into the Christmas spirit? So, Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you? Sir? Um, if it was green grass, then yes, I would have a problem with it. But there's enough snow, I think, that it just at a glance it looks white outside to me so it, that's plenty for me it feels like it feels like christmas to me uh so um usually about now is when i start getting into it and i started watching some christmas movies this week that always helps so yeah. so far so good I, i'm sh- I, I just know that by march will be so sick of snow that i don't mind that it's a little light right now. By it's January hard. 1st, I'm sick of snow. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, welcome to the party on <laughs> yeah. that one. Uh, it's about the lights, though, I think, for me. Once uh, people start putting the lights up, I start to feel it. But I know retailers really say that 
Snow is imperative in terms of people, in an overall sense, getting excited for Christmas. Are you getting your shopping started, Forche? Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> See you on the 23rd I got, I got, or what? Yeah, I got to get started on that. Uh, but when it comes to snow, I, I was thinking about... I like to see the Christmas lights, you know, reflect from the snow. Yes. When it's nice and white, nice white fluffy snow. Yeah, you know, and this year for some reason I just, I don't feel very Christmassy. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, every, and I get what, what Jeff Ron is saying that, that many, like I was at my dad's the other day and his front lawn has a, a little tiny sheet of snow on it that managed to freeze and stick. But just generally it's just sort of gloomy and gross outside. What about you, Kelly? You know, it's funny, we were driving home last night and saying to ourselves, let's milk this great December of very <laughs> little or no snow until the very end. <laughs> because, as we all know, winter gets long, so uh, the more you can uh, uh, shorten up the timetable on this side of things, I think the better. And I, I don't know, like I, I've done the majority of my Christmas shopping. I've got a few stocking stuffers I still have to buy, but uh, I, I don't think really the snow affects me that much. It's the memories of Christmas past where I'm scrambling on the 23rd or 24th that more <laughs> inspires me to try to get it done earlier. This is kind of a British Columbia December we're having so far. I know we're only a couple of days in, but November I, w I have uh, one of my best friends in the Okanagan, and our weather was fairly similar. They they'd be up a few degrees on us for sure most days, but in terms of the snow cover, this is sort of what we get in BC on a on a regular winter, Kelly. Yeah, and uh, well, and we even had the rain in November here in Winnipeg too to make it more of a a coastal type climate. But yeah, it 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 has been really good so far, mind you. You know, we did have that storm on Thanksgiving weekend. We did have unseasonably cold weather earlier in the fall. So it's not like we've come through this totally unscathed. Why don't, uh, for the Christmas purists out there, like what they did in Montreal on Halloween when they had to move it, why don't we move Christmas to January 25th this year? <laughs> because of the lack of snow? Yeah. yeah. By, by January yeah. 25, we'll have more snow. Yeah, then Forte can go shopping on January 23rd. <laughs> That's right. Well, then you can get the uh, Boxing Day sales. Yeah. It'll be just a, a perfect way to do it. Well, I remember, I, and Greg, you talked about retail, and I used to work in retail, and we even noticed it working in the mall that there, when in the odd winter where there was not as much snow or little, little to no snow on the ground that the shopping pace didn't seem to pick up until we got that first snowfall. And I remember I went to Florida for one Christmas when I was like 12 or 13 years old, and it did not feel like Christmas at all, regardless of the music, regardless of the decorations that were put up everywhere. It just felt like it did not feel like that. I think that's why these Hallmark movies are so popular, the ones that get made in Winnipeg, inevitably, mm -hmm. and they're on the W Network or on the Hallmark Channel in the States. When I landed uh, on uh, Thanksgiving Day in San Diego, San Diego's all decked out in their Christmas lights. And then I got to, to my friend Scott's place, and uh, his wife is watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, of course, made in Winnipeg. Yeah. So, you know, I guess that you get uh, you get psyched up for Christmas differently depending on where you are geographically. Well, you can, and I'll ahead, tell you what, regard, sorry, regardless of the weather, if you, Brett, if you really, really need to get inspired to get into the Christmas spirit... Uh, and I don't know how many times you've gone before, but go out to Winter Wonderland out uh, uh, on the Red River X grounds. Uh, that that's a fabulous way to catch a little Christmas spirit, and you also get to have the donuts and the uh, and the hot chocolate too. Ooh, I like donuts. Don't like hot chocolate. And I will also admit that having uh, Janelle Nadeau in here the other day playing the harp when she played uh, Christmas Carol at the end of the segment that helped. Just hearing the music, mm. and I know that our friends down the hall at Peggy at ninety nine one are starting to play. They're throwing in some Christmas carols into their rotation, so that helps. I, I think just it's just for me personally, and I was curious to know if I was alone on this. Do you need the snow? I think that for me, the snow do. helps. One of our listeners says, "I know it's time for Christmas shopping when Costco." Start selling those awesome Christmas trees. I find it's more Christmassy when there's a good dump of snow, but that's the Manitoba in me, and I think a lot of us feel that way. Doesn't oh. Costco start selling those trees in July? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not the real ones. They'll be dead by now. The big announcement shall now be revealed...
Now, I'm going back to like the late 90s for the theme music on that one. But that's when I was big into Monday Night Raw, the W... Oh, hang on. Let me just press pause on that. I should I should channel the great one, the people's champion, The Rock. I think you for should. For this announcement. Finally, the WWE is coming back to Winnipeg. Monday Night Raw, February 24th. 2020. It's been almost 15 years. 15 years! Since the last televised event. And the tickets go on sale Friday, wow. December 13th. Pre-sales Wednesday, December 11th. And we're going to have tickets to give away next week on 680 CJOB. I went to those two shows in whatever year it was. Because they, they did Monday Night Raw is live. And at the time, and I'm not sure how they do it now, but SmackDown was taped. So they would tape SmackDown on Tuesday and then they would air it on Thursday on, uh, I can't even remember what the network it was. Was it TNT back in the day? I think it was the USA Network had oh Raw. My. I think UPN used to have <laughs> SmackDown. We would get it on the score. TSN had Raw. Oh my gosh, the, the score, score had SmackDown. But so this is a big deal because the ratings aren't huge. Two million viewers roughly watch Monday Night Raw, but that's two million of your most diehard Viewers like my one of my favorite shows on TV is a show called Supernatural, and it's one of the most lowest rated shows on TV. But it's been going for like 15 years because they have the biggest fans on TV, they, they have conventions, the fans follow them all over the place. It's the same thing with wrestling if you're a wrestling fan, a big one, you are watching everything. So there are going to be people going, Really, a wrestling show? This is what you guys are all excited about. It's bigger than the wrestling. Yeah. Just like the Blue Bombers winning the Grey Cup was bigger than football. Just like when the Jets do well and the Winnipeg having the NHL is beyond hockey. This is Winnipeg on the map one more time, is it not? Absolutely. And, and it's, it's significant as well because, I mean, they come through every year and do what they call a house show where they bring the ring, they bring the roster, but they don't bring anything else. There's no pyrotechnics. It's just... A show that they do on the weekend so you still get to see your wrestlers but it's not as big of a deal so when they do the tv show like if you've i don't know if you've ever seen what the wwe does with their shows but it's like a rock concert it they is. have a huge stage that they walk out of with gigantic tv screens and there's pyrotechnics and fireworks it is a massive production and they rarely do the tv shows in winnipeg because we're kind of an island in, in terms of their touring schedule because even Grand Forks Fargo that's part of a different run so what's the closest thing to Winnipeg? Regina? Well that's like six hours away. If they do a tour in Ontario they can do six, seven cities in a row but with Winnipeg it's a lot of work. It's, basically, it's basically a one-off. Yeah. Because they're not taking this show to Saskatoon. They're not taking it to Regina. They're probably coming from Minneapolis. Is probably the closest big city they're coming from. And that used to be the thing. It would, was probably Minneapolis. But when they did it last time, they did it back-to-back, -back, Raw and SmackDown. So I guess it made it worth it. But generally speaking, it's not worth it. But they're coming back to Winnipeg. This is huge. And it's I, I don't even know who's on the roster anymore. But I don't care. I got to go see this show. I know my buddy Mike Burkus. Who I, with whom I went to see WrestleMania X7 in 2001 in Houston is going to be excited about this. And uh, if you're excited, you can let us know at 204-780-6868. We're going to have tickets to give away next week on the start. But again, you can buy tickets starting December 13th or the pre-sales on December 11th. And then, you know, we talk about Winnipeg as the curling capital of the world. Could be the uh, wrestling slash entertainment capital of the world as well because Chris Jericho and of course his elite wrestling mm -hmm. is taking over television as well along with uh, so many stars with connections to Winnipeg and Kenny Omega Kenny Omega in particular these are two of the biggest wrestlers on the planet and of course they are very proudly from Winnipeg so I wonder if that has entered into the WWE psyche here at all is to go you know what we're gonna do we're gonna go right into Jericho's backyard and put on the biggest show may bring his show elite wrestling to Winnipeg at some point next year perhaps but in the meantime Monday Night Raw the WWE finally coming back to Winnipeg Bell MTS place 
February 24th. Tickets will start at $20. Yeah, it was July 20, 2004, back in the old Winnipeg Arena. It wasn't even barn. It wasn't even at Bell MTS Place? It was in the old barn. Oh, my word. Yeah, and I went to both shows, and it was really cool. But going to Monday Night Raw and knowing that show was live was way more electrifying than seeing SmackDown the next day, knowing that was taped. There's something special about being a part of the live wrestling show. And wrestling fans are the craziest fans on earth. They are raucous. They're loud. You, they, you, know, you bring signs. It's nuts. It's a super good time. Hal Anderson, host of Hal Anderson Afternoons from 1 until 4, joins us now live. Good morning, Hal. Mackling and McGarry. <laughs> yes. No McNabb. No On McNabb. holidays, eh? Yeah, you know wow. what they say when the uh, cat's away, mm. the mice will play. <laughs> the, two, the two rats will play. <laughs> Easy now. Rats a little <laughs> strong, don't you think? Although we have been called worst on yes. the text message. Oh, well, sure. Well, morning. me too. Yeah. Hey, listen, I got a bunch of stuff. So can I just rattle and then you, you tell me when I'm done, okay? Because I, I came in with a bunch of stuff. By the way, love the French fry shortage story, your uh, Bloomberg interview earlier on. Line of the day, she didn't realize it, but line of the day, we're driving in listening, Jackie's listening, and she turns to me and she says, I guess I'll just take some off your plate without asking, like always. <laughs> no, babe, that's not, never mind. <laughs> <clears throat> French fry yes. shortage, apparently. Yes, yes, um, uh, by the way, have you seen The Irishman yet on Netflix yes, or, have, or yes. in theaters? Yes. I, I have started it. I have not finished it. I'm working on a list for my show this afternoon. Signs the Irishman is too damn long. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's three and a half hours long. You yeah. realize that, eh? Oh, yeah, I had to watch also, it in chunks. There's also, uh, if you go through the credits, there's uh, like a 23-minute in-conversation chat. Oh, you're where, kidding. Where On top of that. Wow. Director Martin Scorsese, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Robert De Niro just sitting around a table in a lounge having a chat about making the movie. So you huh. can watch that separately. You can just yeah. Google it. Or look, not Google it. Just look it up on Netflix. The right. Irishman in conversation. But, yeah, okay. if you watch it all, that's a four-hour... Uh, I mean, and so far I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm maybe half an hour into it. Uh, so I'm working on this list for this afternoon. Do you want to hear my first uh, entry yes, in the list? Uh, signs the Irishman is too damn long. During the course of watching it, Netflix raised their fees. <laughs> That's how long it is. How much time have I got? I got time story. here. I want, oh, to make, yeah. I want to make sure I get the vampire story in. Um, Black Friday, we're going to take a look at some local numbers today on Black Friday, Cyber, and I guess Cyber Monday sales. Black Friday sales in North America, up to a new record of 7.4, uh, sorry, it was 7.4 billion. That's just shy of the record of 7.9, so very strong Black Friday. Cyber Monday numbers are in, up 20% to 9.4 billion. And we're hearing anecdotally that local numbers are good too, and through the course of the day today, we'll get some local retailers on talking about it. We were talking last week about showrooming and the reverse showrooming, yes. and you wonder if some of those things are playing off one yep. another, and hopefully local businesses are benefiting off the mm. reverse showrooming yeah. by having what people want and being able to get their hands on it right, right now, right? Yeah, and, and I think people are feeling pretty confident about the economy right now. That's the feeling I get out there. I and, think that's a good point. And, and we'll see. Okay, here's one where we can discuss. I won't just rattle these off. Um, you know me and my Reddit threads. I love Reddit <laughs> threads. What minor thing drives you absolutely nuts? Anything come to mind? I'll share a couple uh, from the Reddit thread. Yeah, I'll need an example. Slow walkers. I'm one, so. The word amazeballs. Um, never, I've never understood that. I, the only the only time that, that it's acceptable to say that is when you're goofing off on purpose. Like if you were to say, oh my God, that's so amazeballs. Right. So you've sort of got to, yeah, play it up yeah. like that. Uh, people who talk through movies. There's one for you, Couch Potato. I actually went on a date recently and it, <laughs> and I shushed her. Before the movie started. Well, of course you did. You're a couch potato. She was talking through the trailers, and I had to look at her and say, hey, be quiet. We're at well, a no, movie. isn't it okay to talk through the trailers? That's all right, isn't it? Well, you know. Really? Depends wow. who you are, apparently. She was the only one talking, so I shushed her. You're a purist. Uh, somebody, who, somebody, <laughs> somebody who drums their fingers. Mm, yeah. One of those two. And one more here. Someone who bounces their leg nonstop. I do that a lot. I do that. I Greg just, <laughs> Greg just threw his pen across the room. <laughs> I'm out. Okay, and uh, I got to get this in. 
Um, I said to Greg yesterday when we were talking about me coming on today, I said, do you want something weird? And he said, yeah, weird, yeah. So here we go. Um, there is, uh, he's an academic researcher at Louisiana State University, John Edgar Browning. And he says vampires are real. And eventually, usually by accident, they come in contact with uh, someone else's blood, like in a fight or they buy some meat that has some blood-tainted residue in it. And after consuming either or blood, they feel better. They feel energized. They feel like the people around them. After they realize they need blood or energy to feel sustained and energized, they need to continue that process. So they find donors through networks, through networking with other real vampires. And when they find someone who might be, you know, uh, susceptible to this idea, they have their blood tested. The vampire has his or her blood tested. And once it's discovered that things are relatively safe, they will take the blood or energy of this person on a on a weekly basis. Hmm. Did Larry David do this interview? It sounded like <laughs> well, whoever did the, did the online interview obviously didn't take it very seriously because they got the goofy uh, comedy music in the background. He says in North America there are about 5,000 genuine vampires. Come on. Hmm? I'm just passing it on. Wow. I'll let you be the judge. Believe it. Or not. Lost boys are real after all. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so if I meet someone with the last name Nosferatu, <laughs> I maybe want to swipe right. left on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, careful if she goes for your neck, Brett. <laughs> Words to live by from Brett McGarry and Hal Anderson. <laughs> Our very own Sam Thompson, Global News Online journalist Sam Thompson is here. Sam, you witnessed the crash at Ness and Woodlawn, correct? Yeah, it was a pretty scary thing to see. So uh, what time did this happen approximately? It was just before 8 o'clock. I was waiting. Um, there's a bus shack right outside the Civic Center. And I was waiting there with my kids for the school bus. And um, we saw a car go through the, 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 the... There's the flashing crosswalk lights there. There's two sets of them, so you have to cross... One set to get to the middle, and then another to get across Ness. And a car, as far as I could tell, just went right through and hit two kids. They, I'm guessing they were middle school aged. And, uh, yeah, and the car stopped, and the driver got out, of course, but it was, it was pretty bad. Now, that uh, took place westbound or eastbound on Ness? The car was headed west. The, head, the car yeah. was headed west, yeah. and, and the, the, the two uh, victims here were, were crossing for the, 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 north, uh, the north lanes, the westbound lanes on Ness when this yeah, happened. Yeah, they were crossing both sets of, of, of flashing lights. and it's uh, Lights were flashing, as far as you could tell? As far as I could tell, yeah. The intersection there, it's, uh, it's a dangerous one because of the two sets of flashing lights. I've almost been hit before, even with the lights flashing again, just walking back from dropping my kids off at the bus stop. Were these kids thrown at all? Yeah, they went right in the air. Uh, You know, shoes, backpacks, and things thrown down the road, um, and screaming, as you might expect, from someone getting hit by a car. Now, you you mentioned that you weren't alone. No, there was a a lot of people stopped. There were some soldiers who happened to be driving by. They got out. They got blankets for the kids, and they seemed to be more in control of the situation than most of the other adults kind of milling around. I, I mainly got my kids... Out of the way, they were pretty freaked out. Yeah, I was going to ask if your kids witnessed this as well. Yeah, they were right there too, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, well, we'll get you an update on the status of those kids when we can. Sam Thompson, thank you very much. Global News Online journalist joining us live on 680 CJOB. And just before we talk hockey, we have James Taylor tickets to give away coming to Winnipeg. And you can win tickets right now. At 204-780-6868, James Taylor and his all-star band, the Coast to Coast Canadian Tour, Bell MTS Place, April 21st. And he does have a special guest coming with him. And let's see if Amanda knows at 204-780-6868. Hi, Amanda. Hello. Did you call earlier for the uh, Toby Keith tickets? I, You know what? I missed those ones, but I'm so glad I got through for these ones. But did, did, did we talk to you? No, we oh, didn't. So we just talked to another Amanda. Okay, well, it's a, it's hopefully it's a, it's a good day for Amanda number two. The uh, start is popular so. with Amandas. That's going on our next billboard. <laughs> the start <laughs> popular with Amandas on six eighty CJOB. Okay, Amanda. Okay. Who's James Taylor bringing with him? Who's a special guest? James Taylor is bringing. As somebody googles it. <laughs> As somebody googles it. 
Jane, I was reading this just this morning, actually. Bonnie Raitt? Yes. <laughs> you're, you're a patient, Brett. It's a good thing I'm not sitting in that chair. We would be less popular with the Mandas after what I would have done. Yeah. I think you would be, yes, but, you know, I'm glad... So Amanda, what's your last name, Amanda? My last name is Opalco. Amanda Opalco, congratulations. I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your details off the air. Going to see James Taylor and his all-star band, Coast to Coast Canadian Tour, with special guest Bonnie Raitt and her band, Bell MTS Place, April 21st. Something cool happened last night at Bell MTS Place. Greg Mackling, what was that? Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, many of them, several of them were in attendance, three of them in particular on the ice to drop the ceremonial opening puck. Andrew Harris, Nick Dembski, both of Winnipeg, of course, and and uh, I think we can call him an honorary Winnipegger now. Chris Strevler also in attendance along with the Grey Cup. And it was a great way to kick off the night. Great way to kick off December. Kelly Moore joins us now. And Kelly, the Jets kick off December the way they spent most of November winning hockey games. Yeah, I was just glad Chris Strevler did not wear his cowboy hat, although that big fur co- coat and uh, shirtless might have been okay. But, uh, yeah, you know, and it was kind of interesting, guys, because after the game, I know Paul Maurice certainly was not shy about talking uh, about the effect uh, that the presence of the Blue Bombers had on the game. And, and many of the players said the same thing, that they were motivated by the Blue Bombers winning the championship, and I'm sure they've uh, envisioned what it might be like in June if they were to win the Stanley Cup here. So, uh, in my opinion, from start to finish, it might have been the Winnipeg Jets' most complete game of this season. They started the game uh, really quickly, yeah. scoring 13 seconds in Patrick Laine, who feasts on the Dallas Stars. Alas, uh, the uh, replay officials come in and say, no, 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 not so fast, uh, Jets. Uh, you're offside at the blue line. I think Kyle Connor was in just as much possession of the puck as the Dallas Star a couple weeks ago was when uh, they had a goal upheld by video replay. But we digress. We move on from that. But the Jets just seem to uh, pick up their and continue right from that moment. They had numerous breakaways, uh, odd man rushes, and just really overall a, a complete game played, Kel. You know, and, and Greg, there's that theory in hockey that if you're going to be successful, you have to be strong down the middle. And I want to provide no less than four pieces of compelling evidence, and I'll do it very quickly because I know time is not our ally. Blake Wheeler, 18-3 and three in the face-off circle last night. What a difference he's made uh, uh, for his line mates, Jack Roslovic and Nikolai Ehlers. And Ehlers getting his team-leading 13th goal on the season. Since he moved to the middle, guys, Blake Wheeler is operating at an astounding 58% in the face-off circle. Mark Shifley, eight shot attempts, a bucket load of grade-A scoring opportunities. And look what he's done playing on a line with Kyle Connor and uh, Patrick Lyonet. Josh Morrissey, remember, Greg, it wasn't that long ago we said he was leading the tournament at 12 under par. Well, now he's one over. Third, plus 13 since November the 2nd. And then, of course, what can you say that hasn't already been about Connor Hellebuck? Shares the NHL lead and wins with Braden Holpe with 14 and was a rock between the pipes again last night. When you can have contributions like that from your people in the middle, it's no wonder that the Jets are 11-3-1 in their last 15 games. Yeah, the Jets have really flipped the script, as has Hellebuck and starting to wonder if last year wasn't the aberration in terms of Hellebuck's play versus uh, what we're seeing right now. Perhaps this is the genuine color Connor Hellebuck, and I, I might be prepared to put a, a lot of money on that right now, Kelly, without jinxing anything. How about the, the, the play of, of Patrick Line and just 30 seconds on Line and how his game is just rounded into such a complete game, uh, using his body again last night, getting involved, not shying away from anything on the ice. Yeah, I know. He really, he's figured it out. You know, in his fourth year, it looks like he has figured out how to be a complete player. And I loved his reaction after the game. You're going to hear that at 925 as well. But, uh, you know, taking responsibility for some of the things that he did on the ice and turning it into a positive as well. Uh, He, uh, you know, he said he was going to bet on himself when he took that two-year bridge deal, Greg. I think that that was a very wise choice. The beeping you hear in the background is the Brinks trucks uh, loading up for Patrick Laine in about 18 months' time. Thanks for this, Kelly. Okay, gentlemen. Greg, you got a question? Yes, the Nadeau's hail 
from a small town ah. in southern Manitoba. It's in the rural municipality of Gray. What town are they from? 204-780-6868. So this it will certainly help if you were listening to our interview with Janelle Nadeau the other day to get the answer to this because this was a place that Loren and I had never heard of. Greg wasn't here. Did you know when we told you where it was? Had you heard of it? Oh, Fanny Stell? Yes. Oh, as I give away the <laughs> answer. Oh, no. I walked Greg right oh, into that one. Oh, you walked me right in. I'm sorry. Yes, I've heard of the place that they are from. <laughs> That's only twice in a year, Brett. Uh, well, hey, if it makes you feel any better, for the Facebook giveaway <laughs> yesterday, I put in the post that we would give those tickets away by 11 o'clock, and, I for, and I'm out for a walk yesterday at 3.30 in the afternoon, and then it just kind of hits me like, a, like Thor's hammer. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to pick a winner. So I rushed home and picked a winner. Classic Mackling and McGarry right I'm there. I'm so sorry. Nothing uh, to why be we go sorry to our first, Why don't we go to our first caller then? First caller? Forte, we'll give you, what do you think? Should we just do that? Sure. Actually, it looks like Loren's phoning on uh, one of the other lines. I think she, I think she heard you. She wants to. Uh... Okay. Well, hang on. Let's bring on McNabb here. Hi, Loren. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe you just did that. Why can't you believe you've been working with me long enough to know it's exactly the kind of thing I'm capable of? I'm out shopping. I had to pull the car over. I was like, Greg, come on, man. <laughs> That's it. That's all I called for. Okay. okay. Goodbye, Loren. Thanks, McNabb. <laughs> That's priceless. All right. Well, you know what? We get a lot of calls here. We get a lot of calls. I, I recognize <clears throat> caller number three. They call a lot. Okay. But they, they, they rarely actually win. Forte, can you concur with that? Sorry, I was speaking with somebody else who wanted to chime in here, so I didn't hear what you yeah, said. Yeah, okay, I, I just got Nigeria. Oh, I, I just want to dedicate Greg Mackling's new theme song, Lady Gaga's Poker Face. Yeah, yeah, real poker face, Kel. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Kelly Moore. <laughs> Couple married for sixty-eight years dies a mere thirty-three hours apart. Do you know who Doug Flutie is? Remember Doug Flutie? Of course I do. Played in the CFL. His parents died less than an hour apart. Come on. I'm not joking. Oh, well, that's right. Okay, now I remember that. Yeah. So, hey, uh, let's bring on a cardiac researcher, one of the best in the world. He's based in Winnipeg, born and raised in Winnipeg. Dr. Michael Schubert from the uh, St. Boniface Hospital Research Center, Albrechtson Research Center, and uh, reached out to him this morning because I thought, A, if anybody would know about this... It's him. And B, any excuse to talk to Michael is one we jump at. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. So broken heart syndrome. I went on the Mayo Clinic website and uh, it is actually a thing. Tell us uh, about it or at least tell us what you know about it. Well, sure. I mean, it's not the area that I specifically study, but it's it's an area that's become a lot more. Um, it's had a lot more attention focused on it over the last several years. Uh, the, the technical names for it are stress-induced cardiomyopathy, which Right there in the title is the word stress, and cardiomyopathy is basically when the heart muscle doesn't function properly. Um, and the other name is um, Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, which is a mouthful. And it comes from the folks who actually first reported this back in Japan in the early 80s. Um, it's, a, it, it's something that resembles a heart attack often to the person who's suffering it. They, they will feel a lot of the same things, and maybe chest pain or pressure. Um, on the EKG, it might even look like a heart attack. But the cause is, is quite different. It's not from a blocked artery, which is what normally is the trigger in a heart attack. And, uh, and it can be simply getting uh, something that causes a lot of stress. You some bad news, for example, the, the broken heart syndrome is sort of one of the ways that we, we think about it. But it could be um, the stress of uh, particularly bad news loss of, uh, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of another family member. It could be actually positive news, like winning a lottery. There was a case of a woman who actually had been on a lung transplant list for quite some time, got the news that she was going to be getting her lung transplant, was brought in the hospital to be worked up, and they realized that the good news that she was getting this operation caused her to go into this condition, and they had to hold off on the surgery for several weeks while she recovered. So it's, it's stress good or stress bad that can, that can lead to this. And, uh, and the name is actually from... Uh, Japanese uh, octopus pots, they used to trap octopus. Um, as I said, it was discovered in, in Japan back in the early 80s. And the shape of the heart changes so that the top of the heart kind of constricts normally, but the bottom of the heart balloons outward. 
If you think of like a party balloon, the type you, you blow up into balloon animals, if you squeeze on one end of the balloon, the other end of the balloon expands. And that's sort of what's happening in that situation. And, uh, and so it resembles these lobster pots. And, and that's what takotsubo just means. Taco is, is uh, or sorry, uh, uh, octopus pot. So taco is octopus, tubo is pot. And there you have it. No, this this sounds like it was sort of an extreme case, but for anybody who's experienced uh, genuine heartbreak, I mean, I know that uh, that I, I have felt in the past, I have felt some heartbreak, whether it's a loss of a family member or other uh, stressors. But it, it the, like I felt actual physical pain in my chest. Is that possible that that's what I was perhaps experiencing at least some of? It's possible, but sometimes when we get a big jolt of adrenaline, we just get palpitations, which can feel like our heart is pounding out of our chest. If, you know, if we've ever been in a situation where you've had a near miss, say, in, a, in your car, you know, you almost get hit or something like that, it often happens you've got to calm yourself down afterwards. Your heart's beating quickly. It often is pounding really hard, and it can be to the point where it actually feels really uncomfortable. But if it's actually proceeding to the point of pain, then it could be that, that this situation existing, this, this Takotsubo uh, cardiomyopathy. Um, it, it's... It's something that needs to be checked out in the hospital if you have any suspicion. And really, the, the physicians will first line of attack, treat it as if you're having a heart attack. Because even on an EKG, it'll look very similar to heart attack. They'll have to actually do other tests, like looking in the heart with an MRI or with an echocardiogram to see if the shape is different, making sure that there's not blocked vessels. Usually those kinds of clues are what they're looking for to show that this is not a normal heart attack. This is something very different. Although that being said, we would then go ahead and treat it very similarly. There's not um, a standard method of care for this condition, largely because we still don't fully understand exactly what's going on and what's causing it. There's a lot of theories about that, but this is a condition where there's still a lot that is unknown. And uh, as I said, it was, it was first reported in the early 80s. But if you you know look in the medical literature now, there's over 4,000 reports on this. So it's something that a lot of people are paying attention to, and the more they look, the more triggers they find. Um, cocaine abuse, methamphetamine abuse, things like that have been shown to cause problems like this. Um, I suspect uh, in the right condition, even blurting out the word fanny style at the wrong time may cause. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Michael, I can count on you to go into the archives. It may only be 12 minutes ago, but uh, you were obviously paying attention. I appreciate that. Sorry, Greg, I had to do that. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I give you a hard time about your uh, Garden City slash uh, Sisler connections <laughs> and, and, of course, the competition between those schools. When it comes to heart research, obviously, uh, this is something that that we've gotten very good at in terms of getting down to the, pardon the pun, heart of the matter when it comes to cardiac care, just maybe in an overall sense, you know, this is 20 years old, this knowledge that you've been sharing with us about this condition uh, this morning. How much have we learned uh, about the the heart just in the last two decades and, and, and how to help uh, a, make it healthier before we experience heart disease, or in your case, you're doing a lot of work in terms of repairing a heart once we've, uh, once we've uh, suffered a, a cardiac situation. Well, it's a series of, of problems that we have to tackle sort of one at a time, and, and we've made a lot of progress over the last 20, 25 years. Um, you know, in, in not too long ago, if you suffered a heart attack, you most likely were not going to survive it. And now most patients will survive that heart attack because we can get the care to them quickly. Um, one of the things that, that we try to make clear to patients is when you're, if you suspect you're having a heart attack, call the ambulance. A lot of people think, oh, I'll, I'll drive myself in. But what they don't realize is it's not just a question of getting to the hospital, it's getting the care to you. And when the ambulance gets to you, they can actually begin to deliver care in your home or in the ambulance before you got to the hospital. And, and time is muscle in a situation like that. So How we've gotten a lot better at treating things like that and also identifying what is actually going on. What are the underlying mechanisms and how do we how do we hit those in new ways? And in terms of the, the, the main difference between broken heart syndrome and a heart attack, what's happening uh, when you have a heart attack, for example, versus the broken heart syndrome? Well, so in a heart attack, you're getting you're, the, the blood vessels that feed your heart oxygen are, are closing off. Uh, there, there's some sort of obstruction. Often a piece of it will break off and lodge in a smaller vessel downstream, and, and that causes everything past that to, to die, basically. You can kill off 10, 20, 50 million heart cells all at the same time. In, in the broken heart syndrome, what seems to be happening, at least in some cases, is there's an acute closing of these vessels. In other words, they're not closing because of a blockage. There's something that's causing them to shut on their own. Maybe the muscles lining those vessels are closing. Maybe something in the walls of the heart are actually caught putting pressure on the, on the vessel. And so it's transiently closing. 
and uh, but it's a different underlying cause. And theoretically, if you can get past that initial problem, you'll probably just be just fine. There are most patients, I think, go on to to recover well from this. Um, but there are some that will have it recurrently. They'll have a couple of incidences over five or six or seven years where it uh, occurs. Again, it may be that they're more susceptible to that for reasons we don't yet understand. One other thing I'll say is this seems to be uh, much more present in women. So I believe about 90% of the patients that, that develop this are, are women. And again, we don't know why. This is uh, There's a lot of theories going around about what may be uh, the underlying you know, physiological cause of this, but right now we're still trying to figure it out. But there's a lot of progress being made. There was a case recently where um, a woman was into the hospital to be uh, evaluated for a cardiac condition. They put a Holter monitor on her, which allowed them to sort of look at her EKG. And then while that was, while she was on the monitor, she happened to have this broken heart syndrome kick in. And so they caught the entire track of how her her heart rhythm changed over the course of this from the time it started to the time it ended and that had never been done before and so just as we as more and more people look for things like this and are aware of it we'll learn a lot more and we'll come up with better theories as to what's going on and then better treatments the man who can make science uh, which is typically complicated sounds so understandable dr michael schubert thank you for this as always my friend my pleasure have a, have a great day, and that was an outstanding win for the Jets last night. I just got to say that. I great, really enjoyed it. It was a great win uh, versus some of the heart stoppers they've delivered throughout the season. <laughs> Dr. Michael Schubert from the Albrechtson Research Center here in Winnipeg. And Dr. Schubert, before you go, I just wanted to say, yep. uh, just on a personal note, my dad has to get uh, open heart surgery in the coming weeks, and it's going to be at St. Boniface. And I just commented on Facebook yesterday saying, I just learned this week my dad's got to get the surgery, and they say it's routine and he's tough, but, man, I'm still nerve-wracked about it. And every person who commented said he's he's going to St. B. He's in the best hands. Uh, he's going to come through in flying colors. So I just wanted to pass on uh, the overwhelming feedback on the, what you guys do at your hospital. So uh, I am scared, but uh, I, I'm glad that he's in your hands. Yeah, and don't be afraid to ask questions. I tell everyone that. Be, ask everyone that you can whatever questions you've got. They're more than happy to answer, and, and, and uh, it can take some of the mystery out of a process like this. And having a family member myself who recently went through St. Bonavis, also for a cardiac issue, I know that they, um, that they deliver outstanding care. I'm not a physician. I'm not. I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm a researcher. I have, but I know a lot of the, the the clinicians involved, and and they're really second to none. All right, Dr. Michael Schubert joining us live on 680 CJOB. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.